chapter 8 this morning, Nehemiah chapter 8, and before I get started, Carrie, I need to share a few announcements um, before we actually get into the Word this morning, is uh, if you have your bulletins, you can get those out, and I just want to let you all know that today, uh, December the 3rd, first Sunday of, of the month of December, um, they're having Christmas on Main Street here in Leedy. And this is hosted by the Leedy Chamber of Commerce. And um, it's going to be a lot of great activities going on starting at 4 o'clock uh, later this afternoon. Everyone is welcome. And the festivities include there's going to be kids' crafts, a live nativity scene that's going to be happening at the Methodist Church. There's going to be stew and chili feed. I think the FFA is doing that. And there's going to be a lighted uh, Christmas parade and more. I think they're even lighting the, uh, the town Christmas tree this evening for that. So... Uh, be sure and, and take part of that if you can. This Wednesday night, we will have uh, youth from 6 to 7.30. And then December the 11th, uh, which is, um, the, the this is when they're due, the Leedy Ministerial Alliance Angel Tree Gifts, um, helping sure a child receives a gift, th gift this Christmas. There's an angel tree back here at the back of the service in the sanctuary today. Pick an angel from the tree and attach it to the wrapped gift. And all gifts are to be delivered to the Bank of the West by December the 11th. Contact Melanie Polson. It gives you her number there if you have any questions about that. There's also a little um, a sticky note in your bulletin. I think you may have one of those if you don't have one um, about it as well. But I do want to say this. Yeah, take a picture. Carrie was just reminding me about this. Because some people have, it's, it's easy to lose a, an, an angel tree when you get one. So as soon as you get one, take a picture of it. So in case you lose it, so that, so we can all keep track of what's going on because in the past. And if you get, do get one, be sure you go buy the gift, okay, and and take it to the bank because they really appreciate that. And um, we've got several back there, and I think some people's already seen it this morning and taken some off. If you're a guest with us, please fill out this inside flap, and we have a free gift for you. And then you can take notes on the back of the bulletin. And I think that's all the announcements. Well, one more announcement that's not in the bulletin. This year, December the 24th, falls on, a, on Sunday. And so what we're going to do, and we've done this in years past, and it's always been a, a great thing. We're going to have coffee, cider, Christmas cookies here. And then from 1030 to 1130, we're going to have what we call a come-and-go communion service. And so you can come. You don't have to dress up. You can if you want. Um, and you bring your whole family. We've had families show up in their Christmas PJs on, on Christmas and come through here and and have communion and pray for one another and, and all that. And um, so that's what we're going to do on that Sunday, on, on Christmas Eve, Sunday, 1030. It's going to be from 1030 to 1130, a come-and-go Christmas communion service. And everybody said amen. That'll be in the bulletin next Sunday. We didn't get it in there this Sunday. Okay, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'm going to start a Christmas series today. It's going to last this Sunday, next Sunday, and the Lord willing, the next Sunday, so it's going to be December the 3rd, 10th, and the 17th, leading us up to Christmas. And I've really centered, I try to read the Christmas story in Matthew and Luke. And, and this year, I just felt like the, the Lord was speaking to my heart about this word joy. And so that's what we're going to focus on for the next three Sundays. And the way I felt that the Lord lead me into this series is today I'm going to talk about the joy of the Lord. And you know the, the scripture, Nehemiah 8.10, which we're going to look at here in just a second. The joy of the Lord is my what? 
strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. And then next Sunday, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a, a teaching on the ministry of joy. Because we all need to notify our faces, right? That we have the joy, joy, joy of the Lord down in our hearts. We'll notify your face about that and minister to other people that way. Amen. And, uh, and then the next Sunday is going to be the joy of Christmas. But today is the joy of the Lord. And I was just, so I've been doing a word study of the word joy all through the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. And this is what I found out, that in the English version of the Bible, the word joy, the words joy, rejoice, or joyful appear a total of 430 times compared with happy or happiness, which appear only 10 times. And joy is lasting and it satisfies the heart in a unique and marvelous way. Joy is a characteristic of God's people found in his presence. And the word joy is inseparably connected to Christmas and to the biblical account of the birth of Jesus Christ. You see the joy. And so I'm just going to show you some of, these, some of the, the scriptures about the birth of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, and where the word joy was mentioned. It says, when they saw the star, talking about the wise men, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In Luke 1, it says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And that's Elizabeth, which was the cousin of Mary. Whenever, and she was, Elizabeth at this time was carrying John the Baptist. And she was about, I think, six months pregnant when she was carrying John the Baptist. And when Mary greeted her, because Mary had just conceived the Savior of the world, when Mary greeted her, she said, the baby in my womb, which was John the Baptist, leaped for joy. I just love that. And, uh, and so that's part of the, in Luke, and here's another one in the Gospel of Luke. got a couple more scriptures. Luke 1, verses 46 through 47, after Mary knew that she had, uh, had conceived the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and this is her song of praise, the Magnificat. And she said this, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I love that. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, it says, The angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So I love that word joy. So Christmas, this Christmas somehow makes us aware of the distinction between happiness and and joy. Yeah, happiness is part of joy, but it's not joy. Joy is deeper than that. None of the Christmas scriptures or greetings feel quite right with the word happiness substituted for the word joy. Joy is somehow a higher, deeper, and more magnificent word. Some of the best Christmas cards have just one word on their cover, and guess what that is? That, right there. I had to go pick one out. Joy. Just the word joy. You don't hear people saying, Happy Christmas. You, see him, you hear him saying, Merry Christmas. Mary's a part of joy. Amen. This is the best definition I have found as I was researching about the joy of the Lord. A great definition. It says, the joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God, abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the joy of the Lord. And uh, that's one of the best definitions I could find. So the joy of the Lord is gladness of heart delight, and cheerfulness. Joy, and this is what separates joy from happiness. Joy has an internal cause, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the nature of Christ dwelling within us. 
If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Amen? And that joy has an internal cause, the Holy Spirit, which is the nature of Christ. Happiness has an external cause, and it's based on the happenings that are going on around you. So you can have all kinds of chaos, turmoil, sadness, sorrow going on around you, and you can still have the joy of the Lord. Amen? You, a lot of times we try, to, we try to think that the joy of the Lord is, just, is an expression on the outside. It's, it's what's going on on the inside. You can have all kinds of stuff going on on the outside, and you can still have the joy of the Lord on the inside. And everybody said, amen. Here's a, I love this picture of Jesus. I know some of us have seen pictures of Jesus. Um, you know, don't really know exactly what, we know he had a beard, you know, he was Jewish. Um, I love this depiction of Jesus, this picture. Jada found this picture, and she, we used to have it. I think it's in storage somewhere. We've got to get it out now. We're, we were talking about this this week, about finding this picture. But I used to have it hanging over my chair, and it's this picture right here. And it's of Jesus laughing. Because a lot of times we just think Jesus walked around and was very solemn and just praying all the time. Well, he, here's the deal. Jesus enjoyed life. And that's why people were attracted to Jesus. Little bitty kids were attracted to Jesus because he enjoyed life. He was a, Jesus was a joy to be around. In fact, heaven, the one word that you're going to think of when, you, when we all get to heaven is joy. It's just going to be a place of joy. And that's the way Jesus was when he was here on this, on this earth. In fact, he got criticized for it. The religious people of his day said this about him. said, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Those are the people that hung around Jesus. They loved Jesus. They were the non-church-going folk <laughs> that loved Jesus. He wasn't religious. He had a relationship with the Father, and he had the joy of the Lord, and people were attracted to that. John 15, verse 11, I'm just going to give you a few scriptures about what Jesus said to his disciples, and he's saying it to us today. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's Jesus' prayer for all of us here today is John 15 and 11. He wants his joy to be in you, and he wants your joy to be full. Then in John 16, verse 24, it says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. If you don't have joy today, Jesus wants you to ask for it so he can give it to you and so that you'll receive it and that your joy will be full. Now, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to focus in on a couple of scriptures here in just a second. But I want to give you the backdrop of what's going on in this situation in Nehemiah chapter 8. Because we, most of us in here, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You've heard that. And we quote that a lot. But I want to see, I want to show you what was going on in this, in the context of what was going on in Nehemiah's day and how it ministers to us today. And in fact, the book of Nehemiah is, um, and what I'm about to read to you, is a, we're going to see a picture of God's grace in the Old Testament. And the word, uh, Nehemiah's name actually means comforter, okay? The comforter is the Holy Spirit. And so, just kind of give you a little background before we get into this story. Um, the children of Israel had been trying to build the wall of Jerusalem for over 70 years. I don't know exact but I know it was over 70 years. They've been trying to do this. God spoke to Nehemiah 
to go back to his people in, in Israel, go back to the Jerusalem. He asked for the king's permission to do this. The king said yes. He goes back to Jerusalem to help his people build the wall of Jerusalem, build the wall. And what they could not do in over 70 years with Nehemiah's name, meaning Holy Spirit or Comforter, they were able to do it in 52 days. Now, this is a type and shadow that the Holy Spirit living in us can do in us what we can't do in a lifetime. And he can do it quick if you allow him to do it. And so you've got to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and help you to, you know, renew your mind according to the word of God. And he can do things in you that you could not do in a lifetime. And everybody said, amen. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to start, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1. And even though I'm going to show you some scriptures here in just a second when we get to verse 8. But it says, now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gates. Just like us, we're all gathered here today in one man, Jesus, and we're having church today. So this is what they're having church. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So here they're asking for the first five books of the Bible. And so what happened in the book of Nehemiah is they've rebuilt the... Nehemiah and the book of Ezra used to be one book, so they split it in half because Nehemiah mainly focuses on the building of the wall and then um, Ezra deals with rebuilding the temple. But in verse 2, it says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. So there's men and women there. We can also include that there was, there was children there, okay? There was toddlers. There was teenagers. There was all families there. It says, Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. You talk about a church service. And I, I read some of this. I was studying this, and I was like, Lord, how long were they? And here in a little bit, we're going to find out they were standing at this time, too. And, you know, when I was watching Brother Larry, when he showed this video up here and how they worship, you know, their, their pews, they don't have that soft chair, okay? They, you know, the, the they don't have heat and air. And so if you come to me and talk to me about it's hot in here or cold in here, I'm not going to listen to you no more, okay, <laughs> after watching that video. And, and this is what's going on. They're having this church service. And when I was studying this, they stood for five to six hours. And I have people complain to me for standing for four songs in God's presence. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying if you can't stand, that's a whole other thing. I understand that, okay? But these people, it's because they, had, they, they were ready to hear the word of God. And I just want to encourage, encourage all of us, do you come to church ready to hear the word of God? All right. So, until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So nobody fell asleep in church. Amen? Verse 4 says, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. So he has a pulpit. And beside him at his right hand stood, and I'm not going to say all these names because I'm going to chop them up. So he got all these guys by him, okay? <laughs> Go down to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the, all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen and Amen. And while lifting up their hands, so you can lift your hands in church, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, and it says all these names that were there with him, the, the priesthood, the Levites, uh, it says they helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. And so then we're going to get to verse 8, all right? It says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense 
They gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So let me kind of tell you what's going on here. Ezra's up there reading the book of the law, okay, the first five books of the Bible. He's got Levite priests helping him. They're going out amongst the people. We don't, there was a large crowd that day, but they were going out amongst the people, helping them to understand what Ezra was reading. Everybody got that picture? Okay. And in verse 9, it says, and I'll put this up here on the screen. It says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And the reason why they wept is because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. They'd realized how far they had gone from God's word. And they, they, they had not heard the word of God. And now they're hearing the word of God and they're weeping. How many of you, when you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, wept? I did. In fact, I spent, I spent several weeks and months weeping because of what the Lord was doing to me. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. It says, then he, so this is good. This is, a good. this is an evangelistic dream right here. Everybody's crying because we're reading the word of God. Amen. And so in verse 10, it says, and then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. And I'm just going to translate that, and this is what I'm going to talk about next week, is when you receive the joy of the Lord, God wants you to share it with other people. So you need to share that portion that you have with other people. It says, for this day is holy to our God, and do not be grieved. He's telling them, don't grieve, don't sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet because they're wailing and crying and slobbering and all kinds of stuff, okay? Because they're hearing the word of God and they're feeling, the, and here's what they're, this is a picture of God's grace. They are feeling the love of God for them once again, for his people. And so the Levites calmed all the people and the priests are saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. God don't want you to, God don't want you to cry. God wants you to be joyful. God yeah, the Holy Spirit's doing something in you right now, but he also wants you to turn that morning into joy, okay? And then verse 12, it says, And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Oh, that's, this is good stuff, guys. So I'm going to teach you. I'm just going to give you three things real quick this morning, okay? Three things about the joy of the Lord, how we get it, how we receive it, and how to keep it, okay? And here's number one. Joy, the joy of the Lord, comes from feasting on the Word of God. It doesn't come from anything in this world. It comes from feasting on the Word of God. If you haven't been in the Word of God, your joy tank is getting low, and you need to fill it back up. How many of you are like me and like to test it when you get down to E? And you have that check in or the not the check engine light. Now check engine light comes on. You need to get you need to pull over, get something taken care. But you get down on the 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 low fuel light comes on, and you're like, how far can we make it? Uh huh. You know. And here's the deal: God wants us to keep our tanks full. In fact, to the point He wants to keep He wants us to keep our tanks to overflowing, so that we have portions to give to others. Amen. So this joy comes from feasting on the Word of God. That's what was going on in this scenario. They heard the Word of God. There was joy. joy and, and the Levites were telling them, go, go and, and be joyful and be merry. Celebrate this day. This was also especially good 
because it showed that the people knew they couldn't live off the excitement, listen to this, of having completed the wall. There's a lot of excitement because they just completed this wall in 52 days, but they needed solid fuel. They wisely requested the word of God. We can't live off of success of built rebuilding the wall. We've got to live off the word of God. That's where our that's the source of our joy is the word of God. Your source, the source of your joy is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you're like me, but I can always tell when my joy tank is getting low, it's because I haven't spent time with Jesus and I haven't spent time in the Word. And I need to get back and get filled back up to overflowing. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So that's where our joy comes from, is from feasting on the Word of God and from our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's number two. God's Word should move us from conviction to joy. Now let me, I'm going to explain this, is because conviction is part of it. We see conviction in Nehemiah chapter 8, but this is also an awesome picture of the grace of God as well. In fact, the Levites were saying, okay, it's time to quit sorrowing, it's time to quit grieving, now it's time to rejoice. And let me just read this scripture real quick. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow, everybody say godly sorrow, produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Godly sorrow produces repentance. When you see, when it, this is what was happening with the, the children of Israel this day. When they heard the word of God, they realized there's a gap between me and the Lord. There's a gap. And, I, and there's nothing that will fill that gap. And so we're grieving. That's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. What the Holy Spirit does is come in there and teaches you from the Word of God, helps you to understand that who filled that gap was Jesus. All of your striving, all of your, your changing, all your, your willpower, you can't get to there. We got to have Jesus fill that gap. That's the power of the cross. And when you understand that, then the joy of the Lord comes when you understand that. Now, what the enemy does is he likes to play his head games with us and keep us down here in our mindsets and say, you're still down here. You're still unworthy. You're condemned. I'm shaming you. You're past all this stuff. And you're never, don't think that and what he's trying to do is take away the power of the cross in your mind. Everybody see that? That's why Jesus said to have the, my mind in you. The mind of Christ needs to be in all of us. I'm just going to give you a little example about myself. When I first got saved, I had godly sorrow. I cried. Now, if you came to Jesus without crying, that's okay too, okay? But, but what I'm trying to help you understand is for all of us to come to Jesus, we have to admit that we're a sinner and we need a Savior. And there is a gap. Amen? So that's why we have to humble ourselves. The, you know, if you're a prideful person, you've got to humble yourself and you come to Christ. Amen? Okay. So I'm just going to tell off on myself how I, I came. And I had godly sorrow when I came to J Jada knows this. There was one day we were getting ready for church, and I was reading Romans chapter 8 to you. Romans 8 is great, by the way. And Romans, when I'm reading R Romans 8, I just saw, I, I saw the gap again when I was reading Romans 8. And I started weeping. And 
And then I, but I, but what happened to me was I had godly sorrow and it was leading me to repentance and leading me to salvation. But in my mind, I let the enemy get in there and he kept shaming me, making me feel unworthy, condemning me. Every time I went to church, I felt like I got to get saved all over again, right? I got to answer the altar call because I don't feel saved because this happened this week, this happened this week. And I was just, and then all of a sudden I started feeling that God was calling me into the ministry, calling me to be a pastor. And I was like, oh my gosh, God, you want me? Gap. Here, there's this gap, God. There's this gap. I've never been to seminary. I've never done this. I can't, I can't even understand the word of God. There, there's this gap, God. And I was listening to the enemy all the time. And, and this went on for a lot. And God was so gracious to me. God would send people across my path to minister to me, prophetic words given to me. Mark, I've called you, I've called you, I've called you. You're my son, you're my son, you're my son. But I kept going, when I go in my prayer time, I didn't feel that way. I just felt the gap. And one day, God got a hold of me. And during this time, when I was in this gap process, the, and I had been, been in this walk for a little while, okay, now, and I still had this gap and still thinking this way and the enemy was attacking all my insecurities and everything and all my doubts and all this stuff. And the Lord said, Mark, do you believe that you're my son? And I said, yes, God, I do because I see it in the word. But here's the deal. There's days I don't feel like it. He said, I don't care. I, don't, I didn't ask if you felt it. I'm asking, do you believe that you're my son? And I said, yes, you're my, I am your son because of what Jesus and, that, and he said, and you're in relationship with me. Yes, because of what Jesus, I'm able to bridge that gap because of what Jesus did. And he said, that's it. It's because your righteousness is from what my son did, not what you're doing. From what my son did. And I need you to renew your mind according to that, or you're not going to fulfill your destiny. You're letting the enemy beat you up from pillar to post every day. Now, and this is how God told me. I don't know how he, if he talks to y'all like this. He told me as a, as a father, he said, Mark, I want you to stop it. <laughs> Quit thinking that way and start thinking like a son. Quit letting the enemy beat you up. And when, when that happened, it was the joy of the Lord rose up in my heart. I knew that I was a son of God. Do I still mess up? Yes, I do. But I know that I, here's the deal, in my mind all the time, there is, there's always going to be a gap because I am a sinner and I need Jesus every day of my life. And when you, when you walk in that, you're able to fill that gap in your mind and you're able to walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. And everybody said, I hope that was worth coming to church today for because that's, that's what's going on in every one of us. But you've got to stop the voice of the enemy and, and, and start the voice of God. And how you do that is by getting into the word, by feasting on the word of God. Here's the loss of joy. Why a lot of us lose our joy is because we start letting the enemy beat us up about regrets over past mistakes. We've all got a past in here. Here's the deal about the Lord. He's forg if you're saved, he has forgotten your past. Don't let the enemy bring up your past. Like what one pastor said, he said, if the enemy's br bringing up your past, bring up his future. Okay, tell him where he's going. Some of us, loss of joy because of fear of failure. You know what, guys? In this, in this life, you're going to have tri tribulation. You're going to get knocked down. You can't have a fear of the failure of the future. All right? You just feel that gap. Some of us have lost our, our joy because of sin. Okay? You can't sin. Here's the deal, guys. This is, 
and I'm trying to show you the grace of God in the Old Testament. And there's this teaching, and I've, I've talked to you all about this, that has seeped into the body of Christ in the New Testament and is trying to get in the body of Christ right now, is that you can live in sin and still have the joy of the Lord. No, you can't. You cannot. You cannot. You can't live in sin and have the joy of the Lord. You might have little fleeting moments of happiness and all that, but you're not going to have the joy of the Lord. Don't let the enemy lie to you about that. And everybody said, amen. And this is because whenever, whenever uh, King David was found out about his, his uh, adulterous affair with Bathsheba, when the prophet Nathan came to him and pointed him out in his wrong and his transgression and his sin, David did something very good and he repented. And he told God in Psalms 51 verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and I'm going to quit living in sin. And if you're living in sin, stop it. Amen. And then the Lord can start restoring the joy of your salvation. I love what Warren Wisby, Wiersbe said. This is a guy, a commentary. He says, the sinner has no reason for rejoicing, and the forgiven child of God has no reason for mourning. And I love that. That's good. So it's right to let the Scripture convict us. It's right to carefully confess sin to God and to the appropriate people. It's right to carefully study scriptures to learn specific steps to follow, to grow out of sin. But it's wrong to be morbidly introspective. It's wrong to wallow around in your sin. And it's wrong to be overly self-focused. We don't need to just be looking inside or just looking around all the time. We need to be looking up to Jesus, up to our Savior for forgiveness and strength and restore joy, and everybody said amen. This is the regaining of joy, and I hope, hope you're getting it, is repentance. That's a word that is not in a lot of churches anymore. You need to repent of sin so that your joy can be restored, amen. so that you can have the joy of the Lord. Repentance, and then we have to focus on the Lord, not our circumstances. That's where our joy comes from. And here's the third thing that we see in Nehemiah chapter 8, what I've read to you is immediately when they heard the word of God, they had the godly sorrow. The priests were teaching them like I'm teaching you guys today. It's good to have godly sorrow. Now let's go to the joy of the Lord. So the conviction needs to move us to the joy of God. And then they said, well, you need to put your faith in and obedience to the word of God produces joy. And the Bible says that they went about doing what the word of God told them to do, what they had read in the book of the law. So a clear sign that these men and women were on the right track is that they responded quickly to the counsel they were given from God's word. <clears throat> Some of us need to lose our stubbornness and our hard-headedness, amen? Is when you get convicted of something by the Holy Spirit, bring it to the Lord immediately. And when Nehemiah and Ezra encouraged them to feast together and rejoice in God's forgiveness, that's exactly what they did. God wants you to enjoy life. Some people want to go to church and get their weekly spanking, okay? <laughs> and, and here's the deal. I'm just going to say this, and I'm, I'm trying to teach you both sides of the track. There are some times that God, God does discipline us because he loves us, just like he did me. Mark, stop it. Stop it, son, stop it. Quit thinking like that. Think better. I called you to think better than that. Don't let the enemy beat you up. So there's times that God does discipline us. But he wants that discipline. He does it out of love, and he wants it to lead to joy. 
So we don't just sit there and waller in conviction all the time. We get convicted, we change, and then we walk into joy, the joy of the Lord. It's not like saying, I'm just going to come to the Lord and just, just spank me, Jesus. Just spank me. You know, every day, just spank me. God, God, the Lord is like, I want you to enjoy life. That's why I'm trying to lead you in this. I love this scripture, and this is what I'm going to close with today. Everybody learned something today? Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. The Lord wants us, guys, I cannot stress this enough. He wants us to enjoy life. And and I love in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful. Everybody say, be joyful. And to do good. Everybody say, do good. And we find out how to do good by staying in the word of God as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, for this is God's gift to man. He just summed it all up right there. He's like, I want my people to enjoy life, to be joyful, to have the joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And everybody said, amen. I want everybody to bow your heads in here this morning. And I just want to make sure before we leave today that everybody in the sound of my voice knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior because he is the source of joy. Without him, there is no joy. And you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you haven't done that. There's, um, for those that are watching online as well, and this is for also for people that are going to be listening to this on our radio ministry next week. But I want to lead you just in a simple prayer that's just receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, even if you are saved this morning, I want you to repeat this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus... I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins. And create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. I want everybody to stand up in here this morning. Did everybody learn something today? Amen. Jada, will you come up here with me? It's good to see everybody this morning. I just want to encourage you about the, the Chamber of Commerce stuff that's going on this evening, starting at 4 here in town. Um, also about the angel tree back there. Be sure and get an angel tree. Also, our Gideon speaker, Larry, is going to be back there with an open Bible. I want us to give generously to the Gideon ministry and to... to Help them, and it's good to see everybody this morning. Jay and I are going to speak a blessing over you guys. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May be blessed in your health. May be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, amen. Hug somebody's neck and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dad.